country for this session, okay? I know you had a sandwich and a cookie and some water, but you're going to have to bring some energy, okay? Because you're about to learn so much right now. We're going to hear from Pastor Lane Schrantz. He comes to us from Church of the Highlands. He has been there since Church of the Highlands first got its start with Pastor Chris Hodges. And I can tell you that I was sitting in your seat two years ago listening to him speak for the first time. Um, and I, I just soaked up so much. And every time he speaks and I have an opportunity to hear him speak, I learned so much. So I encourage you, this is not the time to be on social media. This is the time to take out a journal, take out a pen, because he's going to talk to you about how you can make small groups work at your church. So there's so much that's going to pour into you. Without any further ado, let's put our hands together as we receive Lane Schrantz with us. Thank you all. It's good to be here. I have to say y'all because I'm now from Alabama. Uh, I, I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, pastor Chris was my youth pastor uh, way back when. This February would be 30 years, actually, uh, that I stepped in as a junior in high school, stepped into his youth ministry up until that point. I loved God, but I hated church. I don't know if anybody grew up grew up that way. And uh, when I stepped into his youth ministries the first time, I saw teenagers like me that loved Jesus and loved church. And uh, my life was radically changed that night and had my whole family in that church the following Sunday and, and never looked back. Uh, Pastor Chris poured into me and invested in me. Uh, but I don't remember, and thankfully he's not in this room, and I'm sure he's not going to listen to this recording. Uh, I don't remember any of his messages. I have, I have a notepad because uh, uh, he encouraged our, us as students to take notes, and so I can go back to my notepads and see what he talked about. Uh, but I, I don't remember the messages. What I do remember is the small group that he invited me to on Tuesday nights that would meet at his house. It was called Prayer Warriors, and it was a prayer meeting for the Wednesday night youth service. So Pastor Chris, for his entire 30-something years of ministry, has always had a prayer meeting the day before he's preached. And uh, that small group changed my life more than the youth group or the Sunday services because it was where relationship was actually happening. And it was God's design for us to grow and develop in relationship. And, uh, and so that small group changed my life in a miraculous way. And so this is one of the greatest passions of my life because it's what changed my life. And it is also where I believe the enemy attacks the church the most because uh, it's, it's really where the most damage to the enemy can occur is when God's people actually begin to grow and they grow through relationship, not through, uh, not, not through uh, basically uh, sitting in rows like we are right now. And so I'm extremely passionate about this, and it is something that, that has worked extremely well at Highlands. Uh, we, we have, you know, for many, many years had more people a, a part of small groups on a weekly basis than attend church on Sunday. So we, we are uh, currently averaging about 49,000 people come uh, on the weekend, uh, and then we have over 50,000 people in small groups currently right now, over 5,000 different groups meeting between our 19 campuses. And so it is something that is working, and it's working on a very large scale, which should encourage every one of you, uh, because no matter what size your church is, uh, we have a scalable model and a scalable system of small groups that actually work, and I want to I talk to you about that uh, today. The, uh, the, the, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in the, in the why, because hopefully you believe in small groups, you believe in relationship, but, but it's really the, it's the Hebraic model. It's how Jesus led the disciples. The, the Hebraic model uh, is, is life together learning. 
and it's not what we're, we're doing right now. We are in the Greek model. We, we live in a country whose education system is based off of what the Greeks created so long ago that is an expert in a classroom with rows. And so our, our collegiate system is that way. If you're going to learn accounting, you're going to go to an accounting class and you're going to hear from an accounting expert and, and, and you're going to take notes and learn and test and all of that. It's all done in rows. The Hebraic style is not that. Uh, you would actually learn all of life from your rabbi. So you would learn how to handle your money, uh, how, to, how to be a, a, a good spouse, a good parent, everything, everything in life, spiritual, practical, everything was taught through the rabbi. And so you didn't have a degree in a subject. You, you basically had a degree in a, a human. And people knew what you know by who you follow, not by the degree on the wall in your office. So the, the, the model of learning was always doing life together. Life in circles is much better than life in rows. And so there is a place, it is, it is a biblical model that we have corporate worship, okay? That's Acts 20-20. So we, we gather together for worship, but we do house-to-house ministry because relationships are really where people's lives change. There are catalyst moments that happen in services, absolutely. The first service I was a part of in Pastor Chris's youth group completely impacted my life. It was the front door. It was the hook. It's what got me in, but what kept me was relationships. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's in that spirit, in that theology that we believe that it is the most powerful uh, part of a church that needs to work properly. Unfortunately, for many, many years, if not centuries... Uh, the enemy has, has combated what God wanted to do through relationships. And because of that, a lot of people have barriers or resistance to small groups because they have bad experiences uh, that they've either heard about or they've actually experienced themselves. And I like to say it this way. I've had bad haircuts before. I think I might have one right now, actually. But I'm not going to stop getting my haircut. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep getting my haircut. I'll just go to a different stylist. Right or barber or whatever it is that you do to get your hair cut. Like we just don't give up on something because we had a bad experience. And I understand the fears that many pastors have or the, the frustrations that they have or the, the, the lack of success that they might have experienced or even some tragic things that have happened in their churches because of small groups. And I think we have a system that will address all those things. So as you write things down, uh, I want to give you practical ways as to really uh, how we make it successful at Church of the Highlands. And first of all, it's you have to have a total commitment to small groups. Not a partial commitment, not a financial commitment, not a departmental commitment, a total commitment to small groups. Church of the Highlands is not a church that has a small group ministry, a kids ministry, a worship ministry, a student ministry. An outreach ministry, a men's ministry. We do not have ministries. We have small groups. So we are not a church with small groups or a church with a small group department or a church with a small group pastor. No, we are a church of small groups, meaning all ministry happens through small groups. So every pastor on staff is a small groups pastor. Every staff member leads a small group. Pastor Chris, in the early years of our church, was leading as many as three per week. Total commitment. All in. If you're on staff at Church of the Islands, I don't care what your role is. If you answer the phone at the Grants Mill campus, 
That's all you do is answer the phone all day long. Monday through Friday. That's it. That's what you do. Or if you're a pastor, a campus pastor, pastor, whatever, whatever your role is, the worship pastor, you lead a small group. If you don't lead a small group of churches in the islands and you're on staff, that would be the same as being on staff and attending a different church on Sunday. Like it, like it, it wouldn't even make sense to us because it's how we do ministry. And it's actually where I, as a staff member, as a pastor, it's where I serve our church as a volunteer. So I, we, we call our volunteers dream team. And so we encourage the people in our church who work full-time jobs to serve on the dream team. We encourage them to be a part of small groups. We encourage them to lead small groups. So why wouldn't we do that? So I serve my church on the dream team. I volunteer at Church of the Highlands as a small group leader. I'm on the dream team. My wife's on the dream team. We have a Monday night small group for college students that are in our Highlands College, our ministry college. We have 22 students. Uh, that they were they were at our house this last Monday night. I, I just missed it. That's when I was flying out here. But uh, but it, it's all in, 100% commitment. It's it's who we are. It's what we do. It's how we do ministry. We explain to the people in the church, and they'll hear it in different formats. And they usually hear it at the end of our services. We do our, our altar call, then we do a, a quick announcement or two, and then we do our offering at the end of the service because we want to uh, collect anybody that's gotten saved. We want to get their connection card. And so in that time period, we're going to explain to the church basically 52 Sundays a year that if you want to be cared for, if you want somebody to pray for you daily, if you want to be taken care of in a situation, a tragedy, you need to be in a small group. But that's how we do church here. We can't hire enough pastors to pastor you. And and actually, that's not even even the best way to pastor you, actually. It's much better to have a, a group of people around you than one person come visit you. And so... They're hearing that week in and week out. So people at Highlands know if I'm really gonna, if I'm really gonna be a part of this church, if I'm really gonna experience all God has for me, if I'm really, if I'm really gonna find freedom in my life, it's gonna happen through relationship. It's gonna happen in small groups, and they hear it every week, 52 Sundays a year, in some way, shape, or form. It is a total commitment to small groups. Do not think. Pastor, if you're a senior pastor in here, or if some of you are taking notes to your senior pastor from this, do not think that you can have great small groups by hiring a great small group pastor. You can only have great small groups if you, as the senior leader, believe in it and live it. And maybe you can't do small groups. You meet with somebody every week. That's your small group. Start talking about it. Start tweeting about it. Start posting about it. Start telling stories from your small group so that your church hears that that's a part of your life. If, 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 if your, your staff meeting or your executive team is your small group, um, just talk about those things. I would encourage you to, to lead a small group that's easy for you to lead. If you love playing basketball on Saturday mornings, then just turn that into your small group and talk about it, tweet about it. Total commitment uh, to small groups uh, to really get everybody on board. And it's where all ministry happens. I want to tell you about a, a wonderful lady uh, named Helen James. She was a second grade teacher. She came to Highlands. Golly, we, we were uh, basically brand new. She came to the, to the first interest meeting of Church in the Highlands and, and got involved from the very beginning. Uh, started serving on Sundays, got on our dream team. And she, uh, being an educator uh, of elementary school kids and a deep passion for underprivileged kids, she would go to uh, the worst inner city school in Birmingham 
and, and, and do after school, like, Bible studies with these kids and try to take care of these kids. I mean, she was just amazing. She just, just all in. So she'd teach at her school, and then she'd go down to the inner city, and just, that, that's just what she did. And so Highlands is not even, not even a few months old, and she comes to Pastor Chris, and she's like, here's what I'm doing at this school, after school, this is the program. The principal's like, we can talk about Jesus. All they care about is somebody is caring for these kids, like, it's an open door. If you can make an announcement... And I could get some more people to come help me. We can actually do this in other schools. And if you have a little bit of money, I can go buy some, some Bibles for them and all that. And Pastor Chris is like, I'm sorry, Helen. We, 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 we don't do ministry that way here. We need you to start a small group. And she went away sad. And she, that didn't make sense to her. Because who doesn't care about these inner city kids? Like, she's thinking her pastor doesn't care about these kids. And see, what, what ministries require is marketing and money. She wanted her pastor to market it. She would love for her pastor to fund it, give money to it, so that it could be a successful ministry. That's called programs, okay? And, and it's, a, it's an easy way to get things done, is give it marketing and give it money. It's just not sustainable, because as you add programs, you add tension and programs begin to compete for the money in the marketing. And the one who makes the most noise or, or has the closest vision to the pastor's heart will get the marketing and the money. Because who doesn't want to support the things that they love, right? But in, in this model of putting all ministry in small groups, the marketing and the money are off the table. And what comes into, pro, what, what comes into play is called the body which is made of many parts. They don't all look the same, and they don't all do the same things, but they're all needed. They're all necessary. So God, Jesus, will build his church, his body. He will bring the right number of fingers, toes, knees, elbows, eyes. He'll bring the right number of people that love inner city kids. He'll bring the right number of people that love to do intercessory prayer. The right number of people that will build wheelchair ramps. The right number of people that will want to break down the Greek and the Hebrew and the scriptures. He'll bring all that because he is responsible for the body. We have to have a system that will allow the body to be the body instead of the body to look like the head. And all the small groups look like the pastor's passion rather than the people's passion. All the small groups fit the pastor's gifting rather than the people's gifting. So Helen came back a few weeks later with a new strategy. Photographs of the kids. I've got to, I've got to sell this better. I've got to get Pastor Chris. I've got to get his heartstrings pulled. I've got, got to get him motivated emotionally to, to give me some marketing and give me some money. And Pastor Chris said, Helen, start a small group. And she went away sad. She didn't get it. A few weeks later, I'm sitting in church. I'm sitting on the side of our auditorium at, at a high school. And uh, somebody, one of the ushers or somebody comes in and, and tugs, tugs on my pant leg and says, hey, you need to come outside. And service has been going. So I step outside. And he shows me a pamphlet, a little flyer. I look at the flyer. He said, these are on all the cars in the parking lot. Guess who printed the flyer? <laughs> Little Helen James. 
had gone out there during worship and started putting a flyer under every car's windshield wiper. Somebody had to go out there and pick them all up. Yeah, that was me. I was the only staff member. That was my job. And so we had another meeting with Helen. Helen, you got to start a small group. This is how we're going to do ministry. If you're going to be a part of this church, we want you to do what God has placed in your heart. And we have a system for you to do that. And it's called small groups. The beauty of small groups that are based around the person and their gifts and their passion is that they will attract people that have the same passions and gifts and, and cares. Rather than announcing, see what happens when you announce a ministry or a program to the church is you create two emotions. One is obligation. That's not a good emotion. And the other, if they go ahead and if they, if, so they either go do it because of obligation or they don't do it and they feel guilty. So when you start promoting things, people are going to have one of those two emotions. Except for the small group of people that that's what they're wired for. That's what they love. Well, then there's no obligation and there's no guilt. So Helen started a small group against <laughs> her own will. And Helen attracted people that loved what she loved and enjoyed what she enjoyed and cared about what she cared about. And that small group did well. And somebody in that small group said, well, I, you know, I, I wonder if we could do this at another school. And I, I wonder if we maybe would do this kind of an after-school programmer. And somebody else was like, well, I wonder if we could so, help serve the football team. Our, our, our students at Woodlawn High School, we have a campus there. Um, we have a small group that, that literally makes sandwiches for the whole team five days a week. Because those kids don't get a meal when they go home. And so that's all come out of, out of this. And so Helen, several years later, reti retires after like 28 years in the school system. She's basically 62 or 63 years old. We had to hire her on our staff because about the time she retired from the school system, there were 100 groups that had started out of her group. Unbelievable. She got it. And none of those people were ever guilted. They were never obligated. They were attracted to what God placed in them. She just retired from our staff last year, I think 70 years old. And, uh, and, and people like on, on our staff, we joke about it, we would avoid her in the hallway. Because if, if you had a conversation with Helen, she's going to get you to start a small group. <laughs> like, like in the inner city, taking care of kids. Like, like that's, just, that's just who she is. But it's a beautiful example of how it, it can work in a great way and let the body be the body. And, and, and all small groups don't have to look the same. And so that sets us up for the next thing that's super important. And that is, is a free market system of small groups. That, that we allow the groups to look like the people. We're not requiring the groups to look like the leadership. And, and do the things that we want you to do. And your group needs to be uh, laid out and outlined and, and start when we would start it. And meet on the day of week that we would meet. No, it's free market. That means free market. That means you can meet in the morning. You can meet any day of the week. You can meet in the evening. You can meet at lunch. You can meet anywhere. You can have basically any topic of small group. We don't allow devil worship. There's a few, <laughs> few books that we wouldn't approve as a book study. Like, I mean, there's, there, there is a role for government, and we can talk about that in the Q&A. I'll get into that a little bit. But... But we're, we're, we live in a free country. People are used to doing what they want, when they want, 
how they want. And so the free market system allows for all that to take place so, so that people that maybe only have one night a week available can find a small group on that night of the week. It allows people that have a specific need, okay, to have that need met. I'm, I'm in debt over my eyeballs. I'm in trouble financially. But we have small groups that help people get out of debt. They do far more than any financial conference. I mean, we have a financial conference. We bring in some of the best speakers on the subject. We have a pastor who's incredibly good with money, who teaches our church how to handle their finances. But a service or a conference will not do anything compared to a small group that is weekly accountability. Hey, did you cut those credit cards up that we talked about last week? Hey, did you pay that high interest one off? Hey, did you stop going out? Like, like the accountability and the relationship has to continue beyond the conference, beyond the, the Sunday message. And so there, there are groups based around those type of things, helping people with a specific need, a marriage group to help a struggling marriage, a parenting group to help every parent. We're all struggling, right? Like to help us parent better. So there's people that are attracted because they have a need or they're attracted because they have a passion. I want to play basketball. I want to, I want to study the scriptures. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to go through and, and dissect and, and break down the purpose-driven life. And we, I want to do that book study as a small group. Whatever it is, it's free market. It's, it's anything goes. It's, it's all possible. What we care about is not the curriculum. We care about the relationship. So the small group isn't a meeting. The small group has a meeting. I have a wife of 22 years. I have two daughters, 18 and 17. We are not a family because we have a dinner together. So the small group is not a small group because of the meeting. It's, it's a small group of relationships that happens to meet once a week. And that's how we want our, our people to view their small group. This is a group of relationships, which is amazing. They are more faithful to those relationships. That's why we have more people in small groups than we do on Sundays. Is because they make time for that weekly meeting because of those relationships. And, and, and there's probably less things fighting for their time on a Tuesday night than is on a Sunday morning. In this culture, the way it shifted so much, there's more competing for people Sundays than ever before. Even public schools now doing events on Sundays. It's unbelievable. And so the... the the, the relationships are what matter. So we don't we really don't care a whole lot about curriculum. We care about the relationship and the care that takes place in that small group. I'll tell you a, another story. This is pretty recent. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've asked permission uh, to share this by Kelly. Kelly and Lee Davis have been in our church for more than 10 years. Uh, she had been involved in small groups. He was not. Uh, they... Uh, uh, were uh, on a Saturday morning about a year ago, uh, were uh, wanting to take care of neighbors that had been homesick, I think, all week. And so they wanted, they were making soup for them. They were going to take it over to their house. So they were in the kitchen. Lee and Kelly had been married over 20 years, never had any kids. In the kitchen, making soup, go outside to go down to the street to their neighbors, and it was raining. So they're like, oh, let's wait till it stops raining, and then we'll go down to their house. So they come back in. Kelly's in the kitchen. Lee goes upstairs. And she hears a gunshot. Killed himself. No financial issues, no depression or signs of it, no marital problems, like complete shock. She didn't expect it, no sign, like it was just, whoa. So uh, 
campus pastor eventually calls me because he knew I knew them. I got over the house as fast as I could. And uh, Kenny and Donna were there. They're a part of our church. Donna is the small group leader for the small group that Kelly was in. And uh, I love the fact that they were there before they had even taken Lee's body away. They were there probably an hour before I got there. And so I, I'm, I'm a good pastor. I am. You guys probably wouldn't be listening to me and taking notes if I wasn't, right? <laughs> like, I, like I, I, I can come in and, and do the pastor thing. I sat on the couch with her. She's bawling her eyes out. I held her hand. I shared scripture with her. I prayed for her. I hung around as long as I could. But here's the problem. I'm going home. That's her house. Kenny and I went upstairs and cleaned the blood off the floor tried to get as much of it out of the rug as we could. But she's staying there that night. What pastor can help with that? They can't. But Donna can. Donna's like, I'll stay here as many nights as you need me to stay here. See, Donna already had the small group activated, meals planned, intentional phone calls and texts lined up not for the next day, not for the next week, for as long as it would take to take care of Kelly. There is no super pastor in the world that can care for her in that moment and the moments to come like a small group. So those ladies in that small group took care of her. Like I, I, I saw her the very next Sunday at that campus. She cried, but she also smiled and said, I am so thankful for this church. It's not, it's, not, it's not the preaching. It's not the worship. What was she thankful for? She's thankful for those relationships. For those ladies that have, have, have wrapped around her. And since then, every time I see her, she's smiling. She's in a widow's group now with other ladies from our church that have lost their husbands. And she's still in her other small group with Donna. She's well cared for and doing amazing a year later. And so from a pastoral standpoint, it can't be beaten. You want to have this, this amazing net to take care of people, this amazing blanket to cover people in need and care for them in their, in their deepest, darkest times. And it actually works. And our job as leaders is to set up the system to get as many people into relationship as possible and have leaders trained that know what to do in those moments. And because it's Hebraic... This is a side note we'll, we can talk more about later if you want. We don't have ongoing training for our smoker leaders. I'm going to step out on a limb that I think is truth. I, I need to ask Donna this, but I don't think Donna had ever had anyone in her small group, their husband, kill himself. So we never had a suicide training for all of our small group leaders. No, the training kicks in when the situation happens. So we're not going to train... 5,000 leaders on a situation that three of them might deal with. We're not going to ask them to come once a month to a leadership session, and some of them have been to it five times in the last eight years, and they're rolling their eyes. Why did I leave my family tonight to hear this again? And others are taking notes because they've never heard it before. Like, we just don't do it. We do it situationally. And how that plays out is every small group leader has a coach. So if you're starting the free market system, the pastor should be the coach. Those, those are the most important people in your church, are the people pastoring your people. 
And so if you have eight small groups, 10 small groups, 12 small groups, I believe the pastor should be the coach. Meaning that when that situation happens, they call their coach. Pastor, I don't know what to do. Kelly's husband just killed himself. Please help. Or whatever the situation might be, they know who to go to and who to, who to get the coaching from in the, in the heat of the moment, in the situation that they're facing and they're dealing with. And then as your small groups grow, as you have a system that, that hopefully gets bigger and bigger, uh, then you'll need other layers that will help the pastor coach uh, all of those small groups. But don't get caught up in that system or that structure until you, you need it. Let, the, let, the, let the, the number of small groups kind of drive that. And so uh, don't, don't be afraid of that. But that's, that's how, we, how we care for the small group leaders who are caring for the people of our church. And so as big as Highlands is, we truly believe that, that the care level is extremely high because of the small group system in place and the way the small group leaders are trained, the way they're covered by coaches who are then covered by pastors uh, that help with that. Uh, a little bit more uh, on, the, on the free market system. There is a role for government. The free market can get a little chaotic if there's no government, right? We've got to have some, some guidelines, some rules, some regulations, some things to make it work. Uh, so we, we have small group leader training that happens uh, every month for those that want to be small group leaders. It's about an hour long. If you want that training, if you want to see that training, if you want to see the booklet that we use uh, for small group leader training, you can go to growleader.com. Many of your churches have already joined. It's free. Just jump on Grow Leader. Register on Grow Leader. You have access to the Grow Leader website that has every document that Church of the Highlands uses, which would include small group leaders training. You will also be able to see a video of our small group pastor that oversees small groups for a whole church. Uh, doing that training. So you can watch the video, read the book, get the answers to the book. It's very, very, very simple. But the government kind of kind of comes into play with the free market system because we, you guys would probably agree with me that if, if out of 5,000 groups at Highlands, 4,900 of them are basketball groups for men, you would think, okay, we're, this free market is not working. We're, we have all these women that want to have some small groups and there's nobody leading. And so we're not meeting the need. And so we would look at this kind of the, the simplest illustration would be of, of the, the big shopping malls, which they're really not. Uh, there's not really that many of them anymore. But if you remember the big shopping malls and you go through these malls and you'd see the kiosk that's selling rubber blade bracelets and another kiosk selling cell phone covers, another kiosk selling, um, you know, whatever hair bows, whatever. So those little kiosks can't be there. There's not customers to shop there if there's not a Belk and a Dillard's. Those are called anchor stores. Okay, and so we believe in the free market system, you need some anchors. And so if, if you're, if you're going to have a free market approach, the way we look at it is we want eight healthy anchors. And now four of them would be based off of the type of human being that attends them, and four of them would actually be topical, okay? And so the four groups of people are pretty obvious. It would be men, women, families, and students. Men, women, families, students. To simplify, we want to make sure we have groups that men can attend. We want to have groups that women can attend. We want to have groups 
that serve families. So that could be a marriage group or a parenting group. Either one would fall under the family category. And we want to have groups that students can attend. So our, our small group system kicks in at seventh grade. Okay, so from seventh grade on up, we're a small group church. We don't have a weekly youth group. We do small groups, okay? We live this out. Now our students do gather once a month as a catalyst, as a front door, as a hook to an evangelistic service that is all about getting kids in small groups, okay? And so those are the four categories of humans, and that's also how we, how we lead, okay, as far as pastorally. Uh, the coaches would then report in those four categories. If you're a coach, you're going to have women's groups, or you're going to have men's groups, or you're going to have student groups, or you're going to have family groups. And so those coaches would report up to somebody helping oversee that in those areas. The four topics uh, that we want to make sure are covered, uh, one would be finances, because people, you know, if you're, if you're upset with the giving in your church, don't get upset with the people. They're not, they're not stingy. They're strapped. They just need help getting up. They want to give. They just can't. And so a small group to help them with their finances is very, very important. We want to have uh, small groups that, that do outreach. like that. So the whole church, we don't want everybody always focused on us. We want some of them focused outward. Okay, so we have uh, small groups that, that do outreach. We want small groups that pray. We are a praying church. Pastor Dave knocked it out of the park yesterday. Yeah. He, could have, he could have been my pastor with every word he said. I mean, he spoke the language of Church of the Islands. Like, we are a praying church. And we want small groups that are praying. So that, that's one of the topics that we want to make sure is there. And so what I'm saying as a government is we we're, we're just want to come in and say, you know what, we don't have any prayer small groups at this campus. We need to step that up. And it might even take a staff member uh, or the campus pastor leading one himself. But we want to make sure we have that area covered. And then lastly, the last topic that we want to make sure is covered is what we call freedom. And that is a curriculum that Highlands has and gives away that is specifically designed to help people get free from the hurts and the wounds, in some cases the addictions, in some cases the demons of their yesterday. So it is a, in a theological sense, it is a deliverance curriculum. Freedom is a much nicer word. <laughs> people don't want to go to a deliverance small group. That's not, <laughs> nobody would go. <laughs> But everybody wants freedom, right? So uh, it is, it is a, a basically, if you, if you 25 years ago, maybe even longer ago, uh, an amazing pastor, man of God out here in California, Pastor Jack Hayford, they designed a curriculum called Cleansing Streams. It's basically, with permission, an updated version of that that's been uh, in place in the context of life-giving and highlands and art and all of that. And so that curriculum is on the Grove site. That curriculum, unlike a financial group or unlike a prayer meeting, uh, you, are messing, you are messing with deep spiritual things. And so you should not delegate that. Your first freedom group should be led by a pastor, if not the pastor of the church, with staff or high-level leaders for the first semester to learn it, understand it, before you give it to other leaders to lead. And I cannot emphasize that enough. It is serious, and it is seriously effective, but it needs to be led well. So all our training, everything is on Grow Leader for freedom groups. So those are the 
kind of the eight hubs, eight categories uh, of small groups. I want to speak uh, to the power of the free market and the topical because there are a lot of non-spiritual things that some pastors or even people in the church would, would just kind of shake their head at and be like, why is the church playing basketball? Why, why, why is that small group, you know, getting together and doing whatever, underwater basket weaving? How can we, how can we think that that is? I'm serious. Like, people have a serious problem with things that seem unspiritual. And so I, I told you a little bit about the church that I stepped into at 17 years old in Colorado Springs. First life-giving church I'd ever been a part of. Uh, first church I saw teenagers worshiping Jesus. It, it was incredible. So over the coming 12 years, so from when I was 17 till I was 29, I was trained in ministry. I was called to ministry. I was licensed as a pastor. I never worked at the church. I was never paid. I was in a family business all those years. And I was sent out, blessed by that church, to go to Church of the Highlands and help Pastor Chris launch. Okay, so those 12 years, amazing. I mean, just preparation, calling, all of that. Those same 12 years, my mom and dad were in church with me every Sunday. My mom, growing up, was the spiritual leader of our household. My dad, completely non-spiritual, wanted to be a good dad. Wanted to do what was right was in church every Sunday. He's singing the same songs I'm singing. Our church in Colorado Springs had some of the best worship in those years in the 90s. And uh, the Desperation Band, I mean, just all, it was just amazing. Great worship, great preaching. I never saw, never in 12 years, saw my dad take one step spiritually. Just came to church. It's the right thing to do. Didn't make sense. I moved to Birmingham. It's all I can think about. I'm not missing my family business that I've been in for 12 years. I'm not missing my friends. I'm not really even missing my family. My heart is aching because I'm my dad's best friend for his spiritual life. Like, I don't even, is he really even saved? I don't know because I've just only seen him attend church. Well, this new semester starts, and that's one of the beauties of the free market system. We'll talk more about that in a second, and that is, that there are three semesters in a year, that we follow the school calendar of the cities that we're in. So there'll be a fall semester, that's what we're in right now, that will go from basically September to early December. Then we'll take a break in December and January, and we'll start a spring semester from February to May. And then we'll take a little bit of a break, and we'll do a short summer semester, uh, the end of May and June, uh, all of June and the beginning of July, just a short semester. So. I've been in, in Birmingham for a little while. The Church in the Highlands was about six months old, and we started our first semester in September of 2001 of small groups. Well, my home church in Colorado is the one that created this free market system, and they were starting at the same time their small groups. And back then, we called it Rally Day, and we, we would let small group leaders have tables in the foyer, and they would set up like a carnival at a high school. You know, they, they would have poster boards and balloons, and the baking small group would be passing out cookies, you know, trying to get other people that want to bake to come to their small groups. I mean, people are recruiting people to their groups. It's, it's pretty awesome. And, and, and so back home in Colorado, my mom calls me this Sunday afternoon and describes that when they walked out of church service, walked through the foyer of the church, my dad spots a motorcycle in the foyer. Well, see, what I haven't told you yet is I'm in a towing business, family business. Uh, and my dad also drives race cars. So I grew up 
in the movie Cars before it was ever a movie. Like that Mater and McQueen were at my house, like <laughs> a tow truck in the driveway and a race car in the garage. That was my life. So my dad's a motorhead. Walking out of church, he takes his first step spiritually and walk toward that motorcycle in the foyer. That's awesome. He takes another step and talks to this guy. He never talked to anybody at church. Talks to this guy named Jeff. Jeff said, hey, my wife and I are going to meet at a cafe on Sunday mornings. We're going to have a little breakfast with a small group of people, some other couples, some single people are going to come, and, and uh, I'll share maybe one verse, and we'll talk about it a little bit. We'll take prayer requests. We'll pray together, and then we're going to go ride our motorcycles in the Rockies. So my dad's like, see you next Saturday. <laughs> So my mom called me that afternoon just crying her eyes out. I'm like, Mom, what's wrong? She's like, nothing's wrong. Crying happy tears. Like, I don't understand that. What are happy tears? So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. That's cool. And so several weeks into the semester, she calls on a Saturday morning crying. And she sounds sick. I'm like, Mom, why are you crying? She's like, I, I, I'm homesick. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. And she's like, no, I'm crying happy tears. I'm like, what? 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 Why? She's like, I'm home, and your dad went to small group without me. Okay. Maybe there was a few steps at church that Sunday. That is a giant step. My dad had never done anything related to church anytime, anywhere that my mom wasn't with him. And so you might not think that's a big deal that my dad went to a motorcycle small group by himself, but that's because you didn't pray for him every day for 12 years. He wasn't a burden on your heart. He was a burden on my heart. And I know all of a sudden God's doing a miracle, and it wasn't because of great preaching. It wasn't because of great worship. It was because of a guy named Jeff and a motorcycle. How unspiritual can we get? So, like, the next semester happens. Like... We're, we're months into their relationship in this small group. Months in. And she calls me on a Saturday afternoon, and guess what she's doing? You guys are sharp. This is the smartest app session at our... I'm like, Mom, what is it? And she's like, today, your dad talked in small group. So I'm finding out, for these months that they've been in the small group, he's never said a word. Which doesn't surprise me. And she's crying happy tears because he opened his mouth and had talked to the small group. And I knew God was moving. More steps are being taken. More steps. I'll end the, end the story with one more of these happy tear phone calls, right? And I believe this was probably two years in. My mom and dad were in that small group for over 10 years. Semester after semester after semester. They would gather in the, in the wintertime, you can't go ride motorcycles. So they would still go have breakfast together and not ride motorcycles. They just loved it. So several years into this, my mom calls me crying, happy tears, and uh, she, she calls, it was probably a Saturday afternoon after they got home from small group. I'm like, mom, what is it this time? Whew, I've learned what happy tears are. Big time. She said at the end of our small group, Jeff asked your dad to pray. And your dad prayed out loud for the small group. And I started crying happy tears like I am right now. Thanks a lot, Mom. Like, like, oh my goodness. Because of a motorcycle, y'all. Not because of some 
unbelievably extraordinary small group leader. Not, not because they, they studied for hours a week and came with three points in a poem. No, because they love riding motorcycles. And they're willing to facilitate relationships. And it changed my dad's life. He is a new man. He is a new creation. He is a different person because of that small group. And so that's why I am so passionate and believe so deeply in this system. My life changed in a, in a group that was praying for an hour. My dad's life changed in a group that was having breakfast and riding motorcycles. I believe it with all of my heart. One of the keys of the semester system, let me go there uh, briefly for a second. I'm on the wrong time zone, so I want to make sure I don't go late. Okay, so we have another about 20 minutes. Um, the semester system is powerful for two reasons. First reason, it prevents burnout in your leaders. I, I, am, a, I am a called youth pastor. I am called to students. I was our youth pastor for the first 10 years at Church of the Highlands. I have not been our youth pastor for the last seven years, but I still lead a student small group because I once a youth pastor at my level, you are always a youth pastor. I love them, love them, love them, love them. Now my teenagers are in it. Uh, my oldest is a freshman in Highlands College. She actually said, I'm not going to Highlands College unless I can be in your small group. Greatest compliment of my life as a dad that my daughter would want to be in our small group at our house. And so I love them. But after 13 Monday nights, thank God they're not coming over tonight. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. We get eight weeks off or so, six or seven weeks off. See, even though I'm called and I'm passionate, I still need a break. And so the semester system takes pressure off of your leaders that they don't have. <laughs> the first small group system that my church in Colorado used before the free market system, it was a two-year commitment to be a small group leader. And it was a weekly meeting. I mean, so that, that, that was like 104 groups you're going to have. Well, if you go on vacation, that's cool. Just have your co-leader lead your group. Like, that's what we committed to. It's hard to get leaders that way. When you say, hey, why don't you lead a small group for 13 weeks? For six weeks in the summer, it's easier to get leaders involved. Easier for them to say, you know what? I like this. So the semester system is powerful for preventing burnout for your leaders. But the most powerful part of the semester system is... People don't like to go to something that already exists. It's one of the most powerful things about arc plants. People are more apt to say yes to a brand new church plant than to, to the church that's been around for 60 years, to that invitation. Because, what's your name? Robert. If I ask Robert, hey man, I've got a small group that meets at Panera Bread at 6.30 on Thursday mornings. I led one of those for like four semesters. Love for you to come, man. We've been meeting for a couple years. Got, got about eight guys, man. Love for you to come. Robert's going to be like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. In the back of his mind, he's like, I'm not breaking into that clip. I don't know the stories. I don't know the ins and outs. I, I don't want to be the new, new guy busting up in there. And he's going to say thank you, but he's not showing up. So, hey, Robert, man, I'm starting a group next Thursday morning. I'd love for you to come to the first one. He's going to show up. Yeah. I don't tell him that I've had the same group four semesters. <laughs> Leave that part out of it. I'm not lying to him because it is. It's a new semester. It's a new group. It's the first one. Or maybe it's the third one. Hey, hey, Robert, man, we've been meeting for a couple weeks. Why don't you come, man? That's different than a couple years. Yeah. And, and, and it just helps people have three entry points a year into your small group system. 
is so incredibly powerful. Such a great way for them to, to just step in and feel comfortable stepping in. We have also, because it's free market, we don't make groups stop meeting. So I attend, currently, I attend a small group of men that meet at a Cracker Barrel in Trustville, Alabama. Cracker Barrel, God bless them. <laughs> 7 a.m. on Fridays. It's a group of men. They're going to work every Friday. They're driving the same route every Friday. They want to be together every Friday. So the leader does not stop the group for the breaks. And that's okay. We're, we're fine with that. What he does do is when it's a new semester, it is a new group. And so we don't tell groups they can't meet, but we have this system where they know that when the new semester begins, that is a new group because we want the, the door to be open uh, to new people. Now, if, let's say, you, you, you have a, a business leader's lunch group on Monday, Monday at noon at your office and you can fit eight people in the conference room. And you have these eight men that you want to meet with every Monday. You don't have to promote your group publicly. We're okay if you meet with those same people for the next 20 semesters. We don't care. It's free market. What we care about is people are in relationship. So our small group leaders can even mark their groups closed before they even open them because they've already filled them with the people that they want to be a part of their group. But we want them to be official groups because we have pastors and coaches that need to be involved if there's a crisis in that group. That's right. That's good. So we don't want what we used to call black market groups because they're like, oh, I don't want to invite new people. I have my eight people and that's what I want. We're fine with that. But you still register your group and you mark it closed so that you'll still have a coach. We're still, as coaches, going to be praying for our small groups every day. And we're going to be checking in on our small group leaders. And so let me give you some basic requirements of small group leaders, what we're expecting of them, and then a little bit about coaches, and then we'll go to Q&A. We, we, we have a simple, we use acronym. Uh, this is what every small group should include. It's ESPN, and I'm not talking about watching it on TV. The acronym is, acronym is encouragement. Every small group should provide encouragement. We don't want it to be discouraging. <laughs> we want it to be life-giving, not life-sucking. All right? We want every small group to include a scripture. If you discuss Jesus wept, we don't care. You need to include the scripture. We want every small group to have prayer, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's taking prayer requests from everybody every week and it's just praying. That's fine. doesn't mean you're a prayer small group. It means you're going to pray. Before you play basketball, you're going to pray before you ride motorcycles. You're going to pray. And then N is that small group is going to provide next steps. Which leads us to the overarching responsibility of a small group leader. If you use the word discipleship, you will chase a lot of people off. Most people are afraid of the word leader anyways. 70% of population don't want, don't want to be a leader, don't think they're a leader. And our small group leaders are not really leaders, they're facilitators, they're hosts. And so if you say, you, your job is to disciple your small group, that'll freak people out. Because if I got this group right here. I've got four ladies, two guys in my group. You guys are smart to be in a group with more girls than guys, so that'll probably work out well for you. Well, every one of them are in a different place. And if you tell me I have to disciple them all, I'm going to freak out. 
because this dude, he's messed up. <laughs> like, he's got some issues, and I don't know if I can help him with those issues. And, and man, she is so emotional. I'm sorry, I don't know them at all. So, like, I don't know if I can figure that out. Like, like it's overwhelming if you tell me I, my job as a small group leader is to disciple people, let alone that many people. Or maybe I have 10 or 12. So the overarching responsibility of a small group leader is spiritually identifying each person in your group and help them take one next step that semester. So he only came to the group because he wanted to meet a girl. So his next step, (laughs) she's like, yep. (laughs) His next step is hopefully he's going to get saved. So I don't have this weight of discipleship on me. I'm just going to be praying that he gets saved. Now, she's been in the church for 10 years and has been coming to small groups for nine years. Her next step is to lead a small group. They have completely different next steps. So my job as a small group leader is just to help them take those next steps. Somebody, maybe they've been saved. They've been at the church. Maybe their next step is just to get water baptized. Hey, Come on, Robert, we'd love for you to get water baptized. All of us, we'll come this Sunday, and we'll cheer you on when you get water baptized. Like, that's, that's my role as a small group leader, just help people take next steps. A few specific uh, responsibilities of a small group leader would be to meet weekly. We don't let small groups meet every other week because we're only meeting for 13 weeks. And if they met every other week and somebody missed a week... They're going to go a long time without relationships, so we want them to meet weekly. We want them to pray for their members by name daily. We do have a size floor, meaning minimum, and that is three people. Your small group has to be three or more people. Two people is not a small group. That's a date. (laughs) We do not have a size restriction because there are natural restrictions. Two major restrictions. One is your leadership and one is your location. If you have a location that can fit eight people, that's your lid. If you meet in the park that can hold 10,000, your leadership will be your lid. Your influence will be your lid. You probably can't get 10,000 people to show up at the park and play Ultimate Frisbee. So your lid is your leadership. So we have very few groups that get too big. What's hilarious is the groups that get too big at Church of the Highlands have always been the same groups. It's the 20 to 35-year-old single people. They're they're just praying to God for a bigger pond to fish out of. They're like, my chances are going to go up. The bigger the group I get in, the better chance I got to meet my mate. Okay, so so in that case, which is very rare, we will... We will actually get smaller leaders raised up and we'll start other groups out of it. But it very rarely happens. It's so funny to me that pastors' biggest fears are so unwarranted. Oh, what if it gets too big? What if they build their own church within a church? What if they teach heresy? What if they split the church? All these what ifs. So we're going to be like, okay, you have to be a part of the church for two years. You have to go through uh, our, our uh, ministry training classes for a year every Tuesday night for three hours. And you're going to have to do a, 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 a penance uh, walk down the, down the auditorium on your knees. Like you're going to have to prove to us that like, we, we restrict, we restrict, we restrict in the name of protection. And now we have three small groups. So Highlands, in a free market system, we started with 20 groups 17 years ago, September. Okay, now we have 5,000 this semester, so it's grown, okay? If you just took every semester for 17 years, I don't even know the number. I should probably try to figure out the number. 
but I'm going to I'm going to very very conservatively say there's been 70,000 different groups have met. Okay, we've shut down less than 10. So we want to take Jesus approach. Send the 72 out. Go do ministry. If it doesn't work, we're going to coach you through it. If you're if you're if you're a weirdo, nobody's going to your group. <laughs> the free market works. Bad businesses go out of business. We don't have to say no. The market says no. So we've literally stepped in and removed a leader less than 10 times out of 70,000. So all of your fears are unwarranted. However, side note, if your church doesn't have clear vision, clear values, you're in trouble. Because then you will have problems. When you have clear vision and clear values and you have a clear structure of coaching, coaches are responsible to pray for their smarter leaders by name daily and to visit their small group leaders group at least once per semester. So if Robert's leading a group for the first time, what's your name? And Leandra's leading a group for her sixth semester, guess whose group I'm gonna visit first? (laughs) Robert's. So the coaches are gonna lean in on their rookie small group leaders more than their experienced veteran small group leaders that they already have a relationship. And a coach's responsibility is weekly contact. Could be a text, could be a phone call, could be a Starbucks meeting. Could be an email like, hey, how did it go? What can I help you with? I'm praying for you. How's your mom doing? All that kind of stuff. And, and so those are responsibilities of, of the coaches. And then the coach, if they don't know what to do when a suicide happens, they'll call the person that's over them. And so that's the structure. Okay, so we have probably 15 minutes. We don't have to end right at 2.30 because they're just going to flip this room for the next session at 3. So if anybody needs to go... You know, feel free to step out. We'll, we'll do we'll do ten minutes of Q and A, so we'll end at, at uh, two forty. All right, and just shout it out. I'll repeat it for the recording. Um, so, yes, ma'am. Uh, um, how do you pitch the opportunity for you to small group your attendees, and then do you ask them when they come to Great reporting and recruitment. Great question. Uh, we we are recruiting small group leaders every Sunday because we are recruiting people to get involved in the life of the church every Sunday through our growth track, and the growth track ends on the fourth Sunday of every month with training for any area of service. So if you want to be an usher, you go to training on the fourth part of the growth track. You want to be a small group leader, you go to training at the fourth part of the growth track. So we are offering small group leaders training every month at the fourth step of the growth track in January leading up to the big semester and in August leading up to the big semester we are doing trainings every Sunday just for small groups we would never do that for ushers or greeters but we do it because we're leading into the small group season that is most important that launch in February the launch in September so all of August we're training every Sunday all of January we're training every Sunday and so we're talking about it all the time encouraging people that have been involved in small groups Uh, to step up to leadership and the small group leaders one of their responsibilities that I didn't give is to identify and and hopefully push into the small group system into the growth track at least one leader that semester that you would find somebody that would be willing to lead a group uh, out of that semester as far as reporting goes one of the things that we did at my church in Colorado in the early years is we had to fill out a document with every name every phone number and a summary every week I mean, it was a 20-minute ordeal just to do the reporting. We don't do that. We do a survey monkey of every small group once a semester. 
So halfway through the semester, we're going to send out an email, a survey monkey, to every all 5,000 some small group leaders, and they're going to answer a very, very, very small number of questions and, and give a roster of who's, who's been attending their group regularly. So if it's a 13-week group and somebody came once, they won't put their name on there. If they came eight times, they're going to put their name on there. And, uh, and one of the survey questions is, have you been able to help everyone in your group move one step? Um, it's a very simple survey. We don't want to load our, our small group leaders down with reporting, and we don't want to load them down with ongoing training. So once again, that training is one hour at the growth track. That's it. Just one time. One time. So that it's very simple. It's, it's, it's a very empowering approach that empowers people to lead and, and allows them to learn as they experience things and as they go through things, and that happens through their coaching. Yes. Yeah, so I was wondering, how, if, if it, it sounds like it's, it's um, kind of a free market system. How, how do you evaluate? I mean, you're bound to have some people who are facilitators that are talkers, and they ask a question, they answer it. Then you have other people who are super quiet. And, I mean, how do you evaluate and give the leaders feedback? So how do we, how do we know the small groups are good yeah, yeah. is what his question is. And that's where the coaches come in. So Robert's leading his new group, and I'm his coach. I'm going to show up at his first meeting. And there's always a talker, and there's always a, a weirdo, and there's always a quiet person. And so it's his first small group. So we're gonna we'll go through the small group and we'll try to shut down the talker. We'll probably ask some questions of the. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just have a conversation that night after everybody leaves, or maybe we'll meet for coffee this week, and we'll have that conversation. Hey man, this is what you got to do when you have a talker. So the coach does. The coach is gonna be involved. And the coach is going to find out if they're teaching heresy. If the, co the coach is going to find out if, if they're trying to, to do multi-level marketing. If they're trying to sell oils or whatever in their store. Just offended a few people in the room. So, and that's covered in the small group leaders training. It's going to cover some of those major areas. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to clarify something. Uh, you said you don't have ministries. What about ministries that typically operate on Sunday, like worship, production, ushers? Yeah, of course, of course, we have teams to pull off Sundays. Okay. But those are not those are not technically ministries. They're not doing the ministry. The small groups are doing the ministry. So Sundays, those are what we would call serve teams. That's ushers, greeters. We have about thirty, depending on the campus. They're all the teams that you would have, production, worship, all that. And they're gonna, the ushers are going to get together 30 minutes before the service. They're going to be like, all right, you take section one, you take section two, you take section three. Watch out for the weirdo over there. She, they, you know, she might start screaming. You've got to get her to quiet down. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, we've got to go approach people that have crying babies. Here's where we need to take them. Here's how we're going to handle that. So we have a little huddle. We pray together. And then we go do our job. That is not a small group. However... We want our serve teams to function pastorally as a small group because Robert's an usher and Robert breaks his ankle at work. I'm going to call the rest of my usher team and say, hey, guys, Robert broke his ankle. Let's get him meals this week. And I think some of us should go cut his grass. So we want our serve teams to pastorally try to step in. And hopefully Robert is in a small group during the week. Now he's double covered. Because he's in a Monday night basketball group and he's an usher on Sundays. When he gets hurt and he's in the hospital, you've got two groups converging on him and his family to take care of him. It's a beautiful thing. But the serve teams are not small groups and they are not ministry. They are to pull off Sundays. I had one more question, but I know other people. How, 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 uh, how many small groups can a coach 
Yeah, we, we let that be organic. So our coaches are successful small group leaders. So the coach determines, hey, I can do two or I can do 10. They couldn't do more than 13, really, technically. I guess they could because they meet on different nights of the week, but that wouldn't be healthy. So most of our coaches, I'm going to say, are, are between four and six. And it's, why it's, it's self-determined. It's not some cool pyramid that, okay, you coach six and they have 12. And like that's super legalistic and unrealistic. And so it, it's none of that. So some of our coaches coach one. I'm willing to do one. Okay, well, that helps. We've got 5,000. We need one of them. So, so it's, it's, it's totally based on what the coach decides they can handle. Yes, ma'am. She's asking if they sign up to serve the same way they sign up to a group. Our groups don't have sign-ups. And so we have a directory, and we encourage the church when small groups are launching and after they've launched to go to the directory, find the group that they would like to attend, and call the leader. So there's no sign-up anywhere they would call the leader. We encourage shopping. You know, 8.6% of our small groups are no good. So I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but we encourage it because what if they go to a bad group? We don't want them to throw their hands up in the air and be like, oh, I'm never doing that again. No, we want them to shop. So we'll talk about, you know, visit groups, find a group that works for you. And so they'll look on the website. And you can go right now and look at those 5,000 groups. You can select a city, select a type of group. I want a men's group on Monday nights. And it'll, in that city, it'll narrow it down to two groups. And so it's easy to find. Um, and then the way you would sign up to serve, there's no sign up for that either. You go through the growth track and get on a team at step four. Yes, okay, so she's asking about kids, small groups. So when I say our small group system kicks in at seventh grade, I'm talking about the free market Monday through Sunday out of the church small group system. Our kids ministries, basically on Sunday mornings, we have childcare. And so there's babies being rocked and, and there's preschoolers running around when they get to kindergarten. We call that our clubhouse. That's when they first get exposed to small groups. They'll have corporate worship, watch a video teaching, sit down with a small group. So from kindergarten through sixth grade, their small group experience is during church. It's actually kindergarten through fifth grade, I'm sorry. Um, the sixth grade is a transition year. They can either go to church with their parents or stay in, in kids' church. But we're training them from kindergarten on up to value the relationship and to be in a small group and the importance of a small group. Because we believe that's what, what God's system is. Why, why not try going to condominiums and open a life groups for the kids? Oh, we have free market groups outside of church for kids. Yes, if a small group leader uh, says, you've probably, you've probably heard of mothers and preschoolers, we have lots of those groups. So a mom wants to get together with other moms and have a small group for their kids, that's in the free market. The answer is absolutely yes. So when you say uh, so the free market Okay, so under the coaching structure, or where, where are you going to govern the groups that, that are co-ed but don't come under a freedom, a prayer, an outreach type environment? And that's because, because the structure is all based on the people group. So the coaching structure is not based off of curriculum. It's based off of men, women. Right. So who's leading it? Is it a man leading it? They're in the men's coaching structure. Is a woman leading it in the woman's coaching structure? Is it for families? It's in the family's coaching structure. If it's for students, it's in the student's coaching structure. Outreach, you typically an outreach group, a 
outreach stuff. So they're not usually a small group that gets together in the house. They have some service things they're doing together as a group. All the outreach groups are, are different in nature. Some of them meet every week at Cracker Barrel, and they do an outreach project once a month. Because they're they're coming up with a plan, they got to build a wheelchair ramp, they got to go get the materials, and then and then some small groups. Remember, the small group is not the meeting; it's the relationship. And then some of the outreach small groups just do outreach every week, and they meet on Saturday morning, and they go to the inner city, and they do adopt a block, and that's totally cool. So they they fit. If you want to see the variety, just you could go to our website and select outreach groups, and you can just see what all type of groups there are. It'll be a great tool. Uh, for you, go way in the back. Yeah, you. Uh, Great question. Our coaches leading small groups as well. Uh, most of them do because they they love it, but some of them love coaching so much that they they stop leading their small group to go just coach. Uh, but that's very rare, actually. We're, we're we're typically using small group leaders only to coach. Yes. Oh, no, they're all volunteer. So all, all 5,000 of our small group leaders have a volunteer coach. So that system is all volunteer. That is not paid staff. We have, we have, we have a very small staff. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. So our pastors basically pastor the whoever's over. And some of those hub leaders, the men's, women's, students, family, those are almost all volunteers. At our biggest campuses, so we have a campus that has 300-plus student groups that has a student pastor full-time because there's so many groups but a campus that has 20 student small groups is not going to have a pastor over 20 groups that'll be a volunteer over 20 groups i hope i hope that makes sense yes sir i'm sorry so, so you can student ministries and like running like so you run a youth meeting once a, a month once a month and then you have the small group so do they have like almost a separate small group structure where you have people that you want leading youth or is it just whoever has a The student small group structure is not separate. It is more intense as far as training and requirements because you, you have people leading minors. So there, there is a lot more training involved. Our student ministry approach, see our, our weekly service that I used to lead was the greatest detriment to kids being in small group because yeah. kids are busy. They got extracurricular, they got class, they got sports. Parents think church is spiritual, small group is not. As a pastor, I don't care if they come to another service. They came on Sunday. Wednesday night is just another service. I want them in relationship. And so we were fighting ourselves. So by canceling 40 weekly services, we opened up the schedule so the students can be involved in small groups. So then does the youth, is, do you have a youth pastor? On yes, we have a youth pastor who is not worried about preaching every week. He's worried about kids in small groups. So does he oversee those small groups? Then? Yes, absolutely. Yes, the student leader at every campus is responsible for all the student, student small groups at that campus. And we have a youth pastor who's over all of those leaders for the whole church. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I need six hours to teach this, by the way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off and going, 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 but awesome. we're cramming a lot into a little bit, and we do need to end soon. Small groups Small groups conflicting with service times. We have five services a Sunday and a Monday night service, so we, we don't care. Whenever your small group meets, we're going to have a different service time. Now, if we, when we were a church of, of just morning services, we wouldn't want small groups meeting on Sunday morning. But now that we have so many options, Sunday night, Monday night, 
They can leave whenever they want. Uh, one more question, right here. Um, Wave me in the front, young leader. Thank you. Uh, awesome. What do you go over in your uh, coaching training? Uh, or I'm sorry, not, um, in your training in the last week for? Okay, the small group leader training. I can't answer that because it'd take me an hour to go over. Okay. It. Um, but but the book and the video of our small groups pastor doing it is on the Grow Leader. That's GrowLeader.com. Everything I've talked about, every document in our church, it's all there. It's free. It's in word format, so you can put your logo on it. You can find and replace and put your church name wherever it says Church of the Highlands. God bless you guys. Enjoy your next app session. Have a great day.